0: Hello and welcome to A Plain Accounts Podcast, where every week we get together and discuss the upcoming uh, scriptures that we will be preaching from in the life of the church. We have just uh, celebrated and recognized Trinity Sunday. Um, I pray that you're Uh, time with your people this last Sunday was was a blessing and um, a a source of peace for you and your people and we're moving through uh, what in the church calendar it may be uh, identified a couple of different ways but uh, second Sunday after Pentecost kind of acknowledging the continuation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit animates us as the people of God um, and we're gonna look at Mark chapter three today. Um, as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Pastor Alicia McClintick. Uh Alicia, how's Trinity Sunday for you?
1: Great. yeah, really good. Um, I had a, a guest preacher, so it was nice to have a break. I think it's like it's been my first Sunday off in like a long time, so that wow. was that was great for me.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Yeah. That's
0: yeah. Great. <laughs> did you spend some time resting or did you worship at your church or were you? Yes.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. So I was, I was doing a lot of like the service facilitating.
0: Um, oh, wonderful. But,
1: but yeah, not, not preaching. Um. Also I'm not preaching this week. So that gives me some time to do some like big picture planning as we've like now finally moved through uh, the high holy days of the year and kind of getting set up for like the next season. Yeah. Um, it's great to be able to table, the like daily work of sermon prep so that I can do some big picture planning.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. That's, uh, I always envy those who are talented at big picture planning because sometimes that's my weak area. So that's, that's wonderful that you're able to do that. Uh, I look forward to doing some of that myself. (laughs) Uh, um, Well, today we're looking at a rather intriguing passage of Jesus being accused of, um, operating under the auspices of the devil. Um, his family is brought up, the religious leaders. So let's, let's, uh, let's get into this passage and um, we'll talk about some of the things that we might uh, reflect on as the community of God in this season. Mark chapter three, verses 20 through 35. Uh, listen to the, to the words of Mark. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you. People will be forgiven of their sins and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers and sisters are all outside asking for you. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The written word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Actually, what I really want to say after that passage is drama, drama, drama. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right?
0: Right. I feel like there's so much going on here that we just get, like, a little picture of uh, something that's happening in Christ's ministry.
1: (laughs) I know. Like, like jesus has family drama just like everybody else they're convinced that he is like literally out of his mind and they're like listen we have to go get him and take him home and like keep him from hurting himself and the pharisees show up and say you're the devil (laughs) and and then jesus is like oh tell me more about that let me tell you a story (laughs) (laughs) let
0: me lay a parable on you you know, I, I think this, oh this me as a pastor feeling sometimes where you're stuck between the expectations of your congregation, the expectations of your family, the expectations of those in leadership over you, whether it be district or general. You know, like you can feel like, oh my gosh, everyone is just after me right now. I don't think of laying a parable down. As sort of responding to that, you know, I, you know, I wish I was level-headed enough to be able to respond that way.
1: No, yeah, I mean, but that's, that's so true. It's like, uh, Jesus is stuck between so many competing forces of misunderstanding. Like, he's, he's misunderstood in so many ways. and. I find it really intriguing that his response to that is to offer yet another confusing parable that might be misunderstood.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. And all because he's performing miracles, like this is the third chapter in Mark, so it's not like they're, they're still getting used to this incredible thing that God is doing um you know mark is is something that you've helped illuminate for me really well over the last couple of years but like mark starts with the baptism and like jesus goes on this onslaught against the kingdom of darkness from chapter right. one and because of that they are calling him out of his mind but like he is casting he's performing exorcisms like how could you how could you look at that and say that must be of the devil
1: right and i think the only way that we can make sense of this or the way that it it has come to make sense in my mind happy to hear some other points of view but i went like when i think about the positions of the pharisees and the positions of jesus's family i just think that they're operating from this understanding that like the world is a certain way to put your head down follow the rules, like do the work that's in front of you. His family's like, hey, come back to the carpentry shop and just like fulfill the orders that are waiting for you. Like come do your work, stop getting in trouble, stop like pretending like you can change the world because this is how it always is, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And, And the Pharisees too, like in a similar way, have this certain idea about who God is, who God's people are supposed to be, what that looks like and how we get there. And Jesus is showing up with A very different reality a very different interpretation of that and is behaving like the world can change Mm -hmm. and everybody who is invested in the structures of the old world is like hey wait a minute (laughs) like go home get out of here (laughs) like who do you think you are
0: wow so it brings this huge challenge i think of perspective like, where are we looking for God and how are we defining? Cause it seems like there's this expectation that God only works this way. And if God doesn't work this way, it must be the complete opposite. It must be the work of the devil. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. If it doesn't fit into this like predetermined box or this, like, or this way, this flow, then, then it must be the opposite right? Um, it's just like all or nothing kind of thinking. Like sure. if it's, if it's not the way we say that God works, then it cannot be of God at all. And therefore must be of the devil. Um, I'd like that, I guess this is the logic that we're seeing play out in, in, in these accusations.
0: Mm-hmm. I think one of the big, the, what makes that challenge a bit, uh, scary is that it's not outsiders it's his family like religious leaders who have been trained to look for god's ways to understand god's ways and this is the incarnate god in their midst like that that's a terrifying reality to really comprehend that those who are seeing jesus physically his miracles you know especially for a culture like ours that says seeing is believing that's not always the case. Like they have witnessed all of these things from God incarnate and they're calling him working for the devil.
1: Yeah. And I do think it, it's may, it, it might be helpful to kind of separate the Pharisees' accusations from the, the work that his family is trying to do. I think if we read Jesus's family generously here, okay. they think they just maybe want to keep him out of trouble. Sure. Maybe, they, maybe they do believe him, but they're like, hey, listen, the drama is getting real. Like, can you not calm down a little bit? Like, yeah. let's lay low for a second. Yeah. Like, we know and understand what you're trying to do, but like, you're going to get yourself killed. Because remember, that's also right immediately from the beginning of Mark, from Jesus's first public ministry moment, the pharisees are immediately plotting to kill him Mm -hmm. um and and i think i mean i would imagine that his family is not ignorant that they're like they live in they live in the same community like they hear the same gossip like they're they're paying attention to all of the signs and so they're like listen dude keep it together (laughs) or like you're, you're going to get yourself killed. Um, and, and I, I guess I'm like, it's more easy for me to, to locate those impulses alongside somebody like Peter who says like, Lord, I forbid you to be handed over to be killed. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and Jesus has to correct them to say like, actually, that's part of the point. That's part right. of the mission, right? right. That, and, and that might be reading a bit in between the lines of our like specific pericope for today, but I don't think it's out of place, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Does I, that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that, I think that helps to be a bit more generous too to our ourselves that we can misinterpret things, you know, and maybe it's more of a correction to avoid like really stark false binary thinking, like either or that like because this doesn't fit with what I believe or what I expect should happen doesn't necessarily mean it's the exact opposite. And like how much of that that either or thinking has shaped our discourse in our society right now that if you are not a Republican, you obviously must be a far-left Democrat. If you're not a capitalist, you must be a socialist. Like the, this very either-or thinking that that has really caused us to not understand each other or the the functions of God well, and it right. can it can cause us to stumble into even calling the works of God the devil because it doesn't fit our predetermined or pre-ordered categories.
1: Right, totally. Totally. I find that really interesting because it seems like there, there, there's obviously that way of thinking this like super either, or black and white dualistic mindset, especially among the Pharisees. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so Jesus has to do some, um, significant rhetorical work to say, like, you don't even know what you're saying. Like you can't, you can't, say that satan is destructing satan's house like that doesn't make any sense um but but then we're also i think i think in and around this passage jesus is engaging in his own kind of all or nothing thinking as he's calling the disciples immediately right before this jesus has appointed the 12 disciples and has like identified this new family and this call of discipleship that's meant to be all-consuming and then and and so I think that impacts how at least I'm reading Jesus's family members his mother and siblings um where where I think they have a particular idea about what Jesus's mission is going to be like and they haven't like fully leaned into the to the allness yeah. of it, right? Like there, there's the sense where they see where where I can imagine that they say, "We know you're special. We've always known that, yeah. and and you clearly like have some power. And we don't think you're from the devil, but we don't want you to die. Right. <laughs> right. And and right. And so there's this. There. So I don't know. I guess I'm trying to reconcile this like this caution about all or nothing kind of thinking with the like complete devotion of discipleship and like complete surrender to god's mission right yeah does that make sense
0: absolutely i feel like that's the tension of this text like that's what we're invited to contemplate um for, for in this reading uh maybe maybe to kind of help us with that that tension you were telling me some really interesting uh, layers for like the term Elzebule and and I think that can really help uh, maybe for 21st century readers understand maybe some of the dynamics that were happening here.
1: Yeah before we went live Ben and I did like a quick word study race.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was like using some some of our like uh, Greek dictionaries and some yeah, cross-referencing to double-check, uh, like, what is this buildable situation? Um, and uh, I learned that uh, this particular term is to use, to get really nerdy, I'm going to use the Greek. This is a noun, accusative, singular, masculine title. And mm. basically it's a proper name, like a title or a proper name. Mm. Um, and meant to signify... Uh, like prince of the demons lord of the demons like master of the demons that's how it's kind of translated or used it appears in um in the new testament this greek title a couple of times another time is in matthew chapter 10 that's like verses 22 to 25 ish something around there and then luke 11 and that's like cha- luke chapter 11 verses like Uh, 10 to 19 something like that so and and these these three passages in the new testament are all kind of sifting through similar themes that we see in this mark passage right that jesus is accused of combating the forces of evil because he's empowered with the forces of evil Mm -hmm. and jesus says like you're calling me this title this prince of demons <laughs> but that doesn't make any sense like why would the prince of demons be dismantling his own kingdom or hierarchy <laughs> if right. you don't know what you're saying yeah. um which uh yeah is is interesting to to think about those kind those kinds of themes appearing uh in several of our other gospel accounts which kind of points to the fact that this is like a particular instance in Jesus's ministry to which he's responding right. rather than just a kind of like general um, uneasiness about the source of his power that this yeah. it like uh, this is a representation of like a particular encounter that happens and Jesus's mm-hmm. response to it
0: yeah and at least that's that,
1: how it seems to me
0: yeah absolutely I think I'm just so grateful for that description because going back to what you're saying about Placing his family's concerns in context, you know this is—it really does boil down to uh, to fear. So, like mm-hmm. the 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 authorities, the religious authorities, Beelzebul was used also in correlation with the with the god Baal. It was cor- in correlation with the Philistine god that was worshipped. So, like that held whether it was a real god or not. It was real for that first century context sure. and it, it held real fear for, for those people and if you're found in league with them then there is this need to eradicate you from their midst. and so this concern from the family is like w- we don't care whether or not like their accusations are true but the sheer fact that they're making that accusations puts your life in jeopardy right, right. Um, and Jesus is really trying to say look, look at the logic of your accusation here. And I like whether it's, it's originally what Christ said or the Greek translation of it, Jesus continues to use the word Satan rather than Beelzebul. And Satan is clearly the word for uh, the accuser. And so yeah. he calls Peter accuser. He calls, you know, anyone that accuses the Lord of doing not doing the Lord's work, Yeah. He's acting satanic. And so I I really find that fascinating how Jesus continues to use the word Satan rather than Yelzebule to not get caught up in this you know conspiracy of what Baal might be doing or what the you know the Prince of Demons might be doing. He uses that word Satan. He's like can Satan accuse Satan self? You know, is Satan accusing his own work? You know, it's like who's being the accuser here? Using a parable, you know, I just right. feel like that's such a brilliant approach.
1: It it is, and and then he uses it to 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 alter this perspective to say like, watch out what you're accusing, yes. um, because yeah. because these like these accusations have consequences um and and not necessarily the consequences that you think right they they think they're accusing jesus and then that the the logical consequences will be jesus's downfall Right. right but this this is the bit about like beware of blaspheming the holy spirit like if you accuse the work of god um if you confuse the work of god with the work of the evil one then watch out. Like you're in, you're in trouble. Um, it's not, it's not God's work. Who's in trouble. Like God's work will triumph over mm-hmm. the power of the evil one that yes. God is already dismantling these kingdoms of darkness. Mm-hmm. God is already removing the, the power and impact of death and evil in the world. God is already reckoning with this situation. <laughs> but if you accuse the good work of God, as the work of the evil one you'll miss it and and you'll get and you'll get stuck in this like warped turned around version of of reality um and beware (laughs) be wary of like getting stuck there forever right that that like it's that i guess that's how i interpret this like whoever blasphemes against the holy spirit will never be forgiven because if you if you consistently call god's good work the work of evil you don't think you need like any reconciliation or forgiveness right like if you think you're right like you don't think you need to turn around or make any sort of repentant change Mm -hmm. um so if you keep accusing god's good work like you're gonna get you're gonna, you're gonna miss it. You're gonna get left out. Um, right. and yeah, that's troubling. To
0: that's, me. Gosh, that's so powerful. Like that's such a good connection there because Jesus ends that by saying, and I think this is when the parable turns to the reality of the situation in verse 30, he said, you know, he ends verse 29 by saying, but is guilty of an eternal sin end quote verse 30 for they had said he has an unclean spirit. So Mm -hmm. blaspheming the work of the Holy Spirit, he connects that to what he's being accused of, is being filled with an unclean spirit. And how scary that is, like Jesus isn't saying, I'm looking for people to be, being raised fundamentalist, I had nightmares of blaspheming and denying the existence of the Holy Spirit. And I woke up thinking because I did it in my dream, I'm gonna be unforgiven forever. Like I'm damned to hell because I accidentally did that in my dream. Like that happened to me consistently. But here, like with this healthy reading of it, Jesus isn't looking for someone like, you better be careful what you say about the Holy Spirit. You better be careful what you post online about God or whatever. It's what Jesus is really saying is those who continue to blaspheme the work of God and refuse to be open to the new work that God is doing, especially in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter how invited you are by the triune God. You're going to continue to refuse it because you see it as the devil and not even god can help correct that in your mind if you refuse to do that
1: right totally um last fall i spent significant time working through the old testament lections which were from exodus and so we Mm -hmm. talked a lot about pharaoh and pharaoh's heart of of heart and um and and it's it's this interesting progression over time like pharaoh hardens his own heart as in like chooses to be stubborn chooses to ignore god's request chooses to deny god's work of freedom and liberation and justice um and but then eventually the story turns and it begins to say like god hardened pharaoh's heart um which though like the way i interpret or read that is that like Pharaoh had made so many choices, mm-hmm. um, up into a certain point that he could no longer choose differently. Right. right. That, that, that so, so much of that hardness had become calcified, had become permanent. Uh, and then that's the way the story has of saying like, and now there was nothing to be done. The domino chain has been knocked over. Like like there were so many chances to choose differently, but continue to choose the opposite of God's goodness, the opposite of God's freedom, the opposite of God's justice, and there are some irrevocable consequences that come like a tidal wave at the end of the, of the Pharaoh story. Um, and I think that that's, I, I get, I'm guessing that that's the the vibe of Jesus's work here um, where he says, if you, if you continue despite choice after choice, after choice, after choice to deny God's justice, God's freedom, God's good work in the world, then like eventually the tidal wave of consequences that come crashing over, you can't, can't be reversed.
0: Right. Wow. <clears throat> See that's such a, a, a life-giving and divergent way of, of interpreting that than I've, you know, been accustomed to because it, it it begs the question and the challenge to my heart, like how terrifying is it to be a heart that is hardened by the good things of God? Like Ah. for Christ to show up and do these incredible works and for that to harden your heart, what is going on, you know, in, in your heart and life that, that the kindness, the fruits of the spirit that you're seeing, you know, portrayed in front of you, that that hardens your heart rather than brings about receptive soil. Um, right, that's right. Huge.
1: Totally. And I, I feel like we, we've been talking about some really like heavy stuff. For sure. lately, but, but yeah, I mean, speaking of, speaking of soil, that's the next parable included yep. in Mark that Jesus begins to talk about, like, okay, so what does it mean? to cultivate good soil right like to be receptive to to be open and jesus spends the rest of his ministry talking about all of these things about about what what does it mean to learn to recognize god's good work and learn to celebrate god's good work rather than responding with fear or defensiveness or i I mean it's jesus's blasphemy here yeah right um And, and, and this, I guess this is the consistent call of discipleship to orient ourselves to the way that God is moving in the world, to orient our vision to the way God sees the world and God sees humanity, and then to respond to the call of Jesus to participate in that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a good segue to, I, I see a powerful conclusion to this text is verses 31 through 35, where Jesus is essentially saying that familial biological bonds are not as powerful or as close to Christ as those disciples who recognize and follow and does the will of God, that the one who understands the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, who's receptive to that, who wants to follow along that line of work, that is who the true family of God will be. Right. Uh, and he continues to, you know, emphasize that through um, through the rest of the gospel. And I think that's so powerful because a couple of Sundays ago we had Jesus say, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Yeah. Here, Jesus is equating like, it's not, y- you are as close as the world wants to make the family bond. Like you are that close to Christ when you understand the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit uh, in the world, not doing a new thing.
1: Right. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the hope. That's the good news. And, and then Jesus is consistently offering this invitation throughout his entire ministry. Jesus is always inviting people into that new family, into that new kind of family. And, and I mean, lest we think that that's like all fuzzy and happy and cozy, like Jesus gets in trouble because he keeps inviting people that people don't think should be invited. Um, into this new family right why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors (laughs) right like they don't belong here and Jesus says check yourself they do because anyone who is doing the will of God belongs to this new family and and I and and this is I guess the continual shaping and reshaping that Jesus is doing amongst his disciples then, and that Jesus is doing amongst us now. That there is a new family that Jesus is creating, um, that's that's that belongs to God's reign of light and love and peace and justice. And sometimes, like we need to check our own accusations or check our own perspective because we can miss what God is doing when we're so caught up in how we think things ought to go.
0: Right. Oh, that's huge. Absolutely. I guess
1: maybe that's one of my key takeaways is that like, like, it's not my spot to be accusing like Mm -hmm. what, like who, who belongs and who doesn't belong. It's, it's my, it's my responsibility to be listening to Jesus and, to be doing my absolute best to cultivate good soil in my own heart. Right, right,
0: absolutely. I think that's such a good reminder, especially after Trinity Sunday. One of the things that really impacted my heart and something I brought through my sermon was that the the, the mystery of the Trinity isn't inviting us to figure it out. Like it's not inviting us to compartmentalize, understand who the Son is, who the Holy Spirit is, compartmentalized. We're supposed to understand them as this mysterious triune life of the one God. And that mystery invites us to be forever curious. And so curiosity then really dispels any temptation to say, here's my expectation of how God and those created in the image of God are supposed to function and act always. Rather, curiosity says the image of God is triune and mystery. I need to be curious and in awe. Of how God might be moving in a in a new and spectacular, miraculous way, and not reduce God or neighbor like love. I feel like just compels us to be curious um, about the continued work of God, and so like that curiosity and maintaining that, I think, opens that receptivity to be that fertile soil for for God's new work to be to be planted. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I think that key takeaway for me. If, if I were preaching this passage this coming Sunday would really compel me again to talk about some of those maybe either or thinking that we're compelled to fall into because of fear. And perhaps, you know, challenge our hearts to think um, that God is a God of love and not of fear. And how can we then move away from a fearful posture that kind of forces us into a uh, fight or flight mode that says it has to be this or this rather than being filled with love and say, you know what, I have the patience and the hope right now to really just be caught in mystery. Like, I don't know what's going on fully, but I'm going to walk faithfully in love rather than make either or conclusions. That's kind of half-baked, but I think that's kind of where my my heart's leaning.
1: Totally. I love that. I think the only thing I would I would add in that kind of perspective or discussion would be to talk about the kind of filter that we're using um, to discern, yeah. right? Like, are are we looking with the eyes of Jesus? Are we using Jesus's own words to determine what belongs to the reign of God and what doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Because that's like, I don't, yeah. I guess I guess I'm I'm feeling the text call me toward greater and truer discernment. Uh-huh. Um, cause, cause there are certainly some things that don't belong to God's reign of light and love and peace and right. justice. Like, like Mark as the, as the whole arc of the gospel, um, it is really invested in, in pointing out the, for, that the forces of darkness and evil are real in the world, but yeah. Jesus is doing something real about it. So, so there, there is, there is this significant, um, need to pay attention to like reckoning with evil and darkness right as jesus himself talks about tying up the strong man and dismantling this like kingdom of evil um so there there is some discernment that we're called to do but the lens through which we discern is always jesus It's always jesus's teachings jesus's words jesus's life like the example that jesus has shown us um and so i think i think in addition to learning to set aside dualistic thinking, like I I think the call here is to practice like a healthy and holy discernment guided by the Holy Spirit, right?
0: Uh, Absolutely. Gosh, this conversation has been so, so inspiring. I I really have not delved into this passage as deeply as we just have. And so I'm... (laughs) I'm really encouraged and inspired by this, this reading about it. And it's really helped to kind of put some puzzle pieces in place, especially with the whole blaspheming the Holy spirit thing. It was really, really helpful to hear that in a a better perspective. Um, I, I, as always, we hope that that's been uh, your takeaway as listeners that you come away with better insight and hopeful inspiration for your own journey with Christ as well. Um, we'll be praying for you as you journey through this continued uh, Pentecost season. Uh, as we journey together in the life of the church, uh, Alicia, do you have any, you know, final thoughts uh, before we close our time together?
1: Um, just to continue to cultivate the family of God. Yeah. Follow, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit continue to practice hospitality to all those who are seeking to do God's will.
0: Hmm. That's, that's so good. And that, like you said, that calls for good discernment, like uh, a healthy family leads to, towards uh, discernment leads towards a healthy family to understand what is needed to edify and build up one another. Uh, that's so good. Um, so help us by, by leaving some feedback on our, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify or Apple, um, we, we really do thrive on those, uh, those feedback and it helps us get our resource to other people who might be able to benefit from that. Follow us on the socials. There's some, been some really good, uh, conversations happening in the discussion board for a plan account on Facebook, um, feel free to, to join us. It's a really easy process to join. Um, I've been really thankful for the, the conversations that have been taking place there. So join the conversation, get involved, let us know how we can continue to grow this, this free resource to be what you need it to be. Um, and we, our prayers are with you as you boldly proclaim God's word in your church family this coming Sunday. We'll see you next week.